and welcome back to the Turn by Turn podcast. I'm Chris, and I am joined, as always, by Daniel. Hello! Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. We've got a a different kind of episode for you today. Uh, We're going to be talking about RRPGs too long, something that's been debated a lot, but I guess you already knew that because you clicked on this knowing the title. And if if it's your first time approaching the uh, topic, welcome. (laughs) I think that we don't need to uh, deliberate too much. Daniel, are RPGs too long? Are they too long? So I think, like, the the short answer, I, I guess, is maybe. And I think it really boils down to why are they... If it is, a like, a 300-hour RPG, why is it 300 hours? And the why, I think, is the greatest indicator of it. But do you think RPGs are too long? Uh, I'm going to agree with maybe. Um I also think we should establish so that people have some frame of reference for like our attention span. Do you typically like long stories? Yes. Again, depending, but yes. Mm, what are what are a couple of like just stories that are long that you you enjoy? Or I can go first if you don't want me to put you on the spot. Uh, so by stories, do you mean like books, movies, anything, or specifically video games? Uh, I was thinking anything just to show that like one story, one property can maintain your attention for a very long time. So like Lord of the Rings, like our, one of our previous episodes, the third age episode that will hold my attention almost indefinitely. And then like other things like Chronicles of Narnia, um, a Shadow of What Was Lost, that book series is about three books, but each book's like a thousand pages. That held held my attention. So as long as it's capable of holding my attention, I'll play 300 hours, 400 hours. But if it's not, I'll check out pretty early. Yeah, there's also that you played three houses, like all the routes back to back to back to back. Yeah, I played, uh, according to my Switch, I've played 230 hours of... Um, three houses but that's not i hadn't set up the account originally so it hadn't really started tracking until i was about 100 hours in so i'd say i'm probably about 330 hours in (laughs) all right well that's definitely a lot i think most most people would say that's a lot um for one title especially yeah it feels like a lot Uh, i also like really really long stories because i like the idea of getting invested into characters and stuff and then Once we've gotten invested into the characters, we can start to have fun and mix things up uh, in a way that you can't if you're starting a new story all the time. Yes. So some of my super long ones I really enjoy are like giant movie series like Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street. Really like those. Um, And see, those would not be nearly as fun and not have nearly as wacky sequels if you had to explain who Jason was at the beginning of all of them. Book series like you, Chronicles of Narnia, Lord of the Rings... um, Definitely things like that. And then shows as well. Uh, I can watch hundreds of episodes of a show. I got really into like Naruto, Bleach, uh, Dragon Ball. I really like all those. And those are all quite long. Definitely. Some of those are like thousand, a thousand episodes long, right? Like 900, a thousand. Yeah. Some of them I, I preferred to read as well. And that definitely is less of a time commitment. But it's again that. Why why is the show so long? <laughs> yeah, the the why is definitely the biggest factor. 
so for gaming and things, um, what would you say is the longest game you've ever played? We'll we'll start with played, and then if you want to go completed, we can we can talk that too. Probably three houses. I'm not sure I'll ever be able to 100 percent it, but uh, obviously, like I was saying before, like it's been like 330 hours, so it'd be it'd be hard to top that. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. Um, I think the longest one I've ever finished. Now I've thrown myself into this corner. It might be Fire Emblem Fates, all routes as well, if we're going to do that. that the Fire Emblem ones are easy because they, they're naturally pretty long and they require full restarts to branch off into other storylines and stuff. So, Yeah, so that, that would probably be mine. Um, and I know there's much, much longer ones. I mean, I've, I've finished, in air quotes, Skyrim. I've had the credits roll, but you can also just get lost in that for a very, very, very long time. Yeah, but more open-ended ones where, like, you can keep playing even after the story's over. Like, that could just be, like, never-ending. You could play, like, 700 hours of Skyrim. Yeah, you definitely can. And then there's mods and things as well to keep it interesting and to keep new content coming in, so... You, you could definitely spend as much time with something like that as you want. And I also think, um, in the interest of fairness for us talking about this, we'll, we'll, we should talk about online games some, I think. But that's not typically what we're talking about, I think. You mean like MOBAs? Uh, not just MOBAs, but games like uh, MMORPGs, like World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy fourteen, things like that. Because, I mean, those are still technically RPGs, but also I don't think it's fair to judge Skyrim against something like World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah, you could keep playing online games way past whatever amount of content is like built into them. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so, I think we should start with... Uh, do you want to start with how long? Why is your game long, or do you want to start with how daunting this can be to people? Uh, let's start with how daunting it can be, and then build up into the why. All right. So, something that definitely makes me lean towards certain games being too long is people already from the outset when you hear how long it takes to complete a game or you see somebody's playtime and they say, oh, I'm not even done yet. Um, people get really intimidated that it's like, I like to play lots of games. If you're telling me it takes a thousand hours to complete one, and I'm, I'm hyperbolizing there, maybe I should say 300 hours to complete one, um, and I get to game once a day, you know, for one hour a day, and then I miss some days, it's like, well, that's my gaming time for an entire year. Yep, exactly. And then maybe I won't even finish the game after that. So it gets hard to... It's it's not just an I can't, but it gets definitely into how worth it is it uh, when it is that kind of commitment. Especially nowadays where there's like a lot more pressure to play every single game that exists. So the new, a new game comes out and you're supposed to know everything about it within the first 48 hours or else you're at, left out. Yeah, like yeah. And I do think maybe your perception's different. My, I, I feel like that's been better in the past few years. Uh, I think I probably feel a little differently about it. 
maybe less about games and more about other things, though. Yes, I'll, I'll agree to that. Um, with gaming, it might be, too, that there haven't been as many games coming out, I think, in the past just couple of years. Yeah, and I think that the games are still enjoyable. Like, it's the gameplay that makes them fun. It's very mm-hmm. rarely that, like, a video game spoiler would totally ruin a game for you, like it might a movie or a TV show. Um, I think it depends on the game for that one. Yeah, 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 of course. And what's being spoiled or... But if you were to play, like, the first Xenoblade Chronicles and want to talk about it on the internet, it'd be a little harder to find that, like, fully tuned-in audience as it might be to find, like, people talking about Xenoblade 2 or Xenoblade 3 kind of idea. Mm, Just that it's older? Exactly. So, like, you run the risk of missing out on being able to talk about it online with people kind of thing. Mm, I see what you're saying, that once the hype dies down, people just are not going to talk about it with you as much. Exactly. And then you're sort of waiting for it to become nostalgic or the sequel to come out, so there's sort of renewed talk about it. Yeah, I can see that 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 that's why some of the pressure is there. Um, but I don't I don't know what your personal experience is. My personal experience is I definitely had friends like that. But uh, I noticed a little bit of the fallout, and it might be that I pointed out to them uh, that they were doing it. Was that it was like I had a, a friend really wanting me to buy Assassin's Creed, um, whatever the Nordic one was. Is that mm-hmm. Odyssey? I'm not too familiar with those games. I'm not either, and I, I should be better. Um, and I'm sure somebody will correct me. But uh, he, I had several friends really wanting me to buy that game, and then almost immediately turn around and be like, "Oh, I really want you to buy uh, what is it called? It was BioWare's failed one now. Bioshock? No. <laughs> <laughs> Anthem. That's what it was. Mm-hmm." Yeah, I had friends really wanting me to buy Anthem. And from the outset, I was like, this is not going to do well. And I know that. And like, none of y'all are going to be playing this in two weeks. And sure enough, none of them were. <laughs> but I think also that it's it's interesting to me that people get intimidated by RPGs. Because there's a lot of pressure for games to be really long, I think. And I think that's why, especially like the Ubisoft ones do so well. Is that uh, when you see a game like... Assassin's Creed or um, I don't remember if it's Ubisoft or not, but like Far Cry that they're like, wow, you know, this game takes 100 hours to complete or more if you want to complete it. And people go, wow, that's a lot of good value for my money. And there's pressure on them, on those companies, I think, to have the ability to make statements like that. But then there's definitely a sweet spot where it's like, well, if I tell you Final Fantasy six takes 200 hours to complete so that should be more worth your time because it's the same price it should be more worth your money people go and eh, that might be too much mm-hmm. and i think uh we had sort of mentioned this in other episodes that again it kind of goes back to the why like why is it 300 hours like if it's like 300 hours but 100 hours of that is fetch quests like you could uh, kind of push those to the side and just do the main story and the main story might be 200 hours and that's more digestible but there's feels like there's extra pressure on games now to 
to have not only a main story but a couple of B plots and then some like mini games within the game. So there's like replayability to it. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, but there's some games too I don't think need to be super replayable. Like, I think Fire Emblem is kind of one of those that I get my replayability by mixing up classes and things, and I don't really need much more than that. Um, yep. But also when I finish a game, like a Fire Emblem game, I, I'm ready to just sit for a while and process what I played. I'm not ready to be like, all right, let's jump into the next one. Yep, I can understand that for sure. I need at least a little bit of cooldown time. Um, so I think that's that's a good segue, though, into how are you extending a game's length? And I, I think we can talk about some different uh, some different specific games on how it's done and what works and what doesn't. So I know you're you're wanting to beat around the bush and stuff, but like you and I, I think have very similar feelings on it. Um, how Final Fantasy extends gameplay. I haven't played like all of the games. I've only played a couple of them. I know very few people who have played all of the Final Fantasy games. <laughs> um, but it seems that there are a lot of just sort of miscellaneous encounters. Like random like I, encounters. Yeah, random encounters. So I was when I was playing through Final Fantasy VI, there was one portion of a, the game where there, it was an hour straight of just encounters. Like, there was no story to be had. And, like, I was just progressing from part A of the story to part B. Like, it wasn't like I had veered off the beaten path. I was on, like, the regular path. And, like, it always slows me down because, like, a couple are fine. But, like, when you start doing... I think I had counted, like, 54 random encounters between things happening. So mm, just, and then how how long is each one of those encounters, would you say? Uh, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of, like, two minutes, which, like, seven to ten of those, fine. But 54 at, like, two minutes each, that ends up being, like, a ch decent chunk of time. Yeah, if you're getting the game one hour a day, that's several days of your playtime. And again, like, I'm not the strongest gamer, so, like, maybe a better gamer would have 27 encounters instead. <laughs> but still. But still, at two minutes an encounter, that's still a very long time between when you feel like you're doing something. Yeah, it's the same thing with Pokemon, where sometimes you'll walk around a field and you feel like you have, like, 54 encounters... And it really kind of kills the pace of the game. Because you're like, oh, we're stopping again. Oops, stopping again. Ooh, quick pause. Yeah, I feel like at least Pokemons are pretty easy to get out of. When you push that run button, I know there's a chance that it'll fail. Now that I'm thinking about it just in this moment, it's like, how often has fleeing an encounter in Pokemon not worked for me? And the answer is very, very rarely. Yeah. And usually if it doesn't work, it will work next turn. Which, it, it's yeah. the same in Final Fantasy, but there's also the the additional grinding in Final Fantasy, where you, you kind of need all those encounters to stay up to pace. So if I'm in the mood to grind, it's totally fine. But if I'm just trying to, like, have a nice time, like, breeze along, just get a chunk of the story in, it kills that sort of chance 
I can understand that. And uh, Pokemon, it feels like the grind is much more uh, optional. It's optional and it feels like it can lead to something. Like you can capture a new Pokemon. It's yes. sometimes feels like with Final Fantasy that like you grind and you get like experience points, but you don't get you don't always get a reward for it beyond just some experience. Yeah, and I was going to say, too, like, I get that that's what Final Fantasy is, and that parts of Final Fantasy are just not super for me, Uh, and that's okay. But I do think that, like Pokemon, you said, there's many things that can happen. You can learn a new move, you can level up, you can uh, catch new Pokemon, or you might evolve the one you're currently using. There's there's a pretty large number of things that could happen. And there's also the chance that each encounter could be a shiny as well, which has only seems like grown in popularity in the past couple of years. But when I'm playing a Final Fantasy game, it definitely feels like there's a lot less that can happen here. Um, and that the ultimate reward is my points on a screen went up. And I've said in previous episodes, math is not my strong suit, and so I don't find numbers exciting. <laughs> and that's not to say that like Final Fantasy is terrible. It's just no. like... I have to kind of be in that headspace to want to grind when I play. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes that is nice. Like, it is nice uh, to sit back, relax, and just grind out levels sometimes. Like, I, I definitely enjoy that. But there's lots of ways to extend the length of your game. We also have uh, the longest one I, I've ever completed, I said, but the longest one I've ever played some of, I, I've talked to also about on some of our other shows, which is Xenoblade Chronicles 2, I think. And... The way that that uh, got length, it was just that it was a super long game. Um, I was telling Daniel before we started that if you line up all of the cutscenes back to back to back for Xenoblade Chronicles 2, it is 14 hours of cutscenes, which just blows me away. And do you feel like, obviously, I don't think you've completed it, you said, but do you feel like those cutscenes, do they add to it or do you feel like you just kind of skip them? Um, I felt like the cutscenes were almost the entire game for me. It was the entire point that, like, I appreciated journeying around the map with the characters. The thing that really didn't make that work, game work for me was uh, combat. Everything else I really enjoyed. I enjoyed the characters, like, adventuring together and some of the quieter moments, uh, just exploring scenery and stuff. And that sometimes you're walking for a little bit and there's not a random encounter. And you just kind of enjoy the scenery because it's a very pretty game. Um, but the cutscenes were really nice because you get all these character moments with them interacting with each other. And that that's really, to me, where the heart of the game happens. Because uh, Xenoblade 2 has been, uh, and Xenoblade 1, obviously, they've been on my list for a long time. I just haven't kind of gotten around to them for the very reason that it's it's a big game to sort of stomach. And like my gaming time is sometimes not very frequent. So to sort of uh, focus in on that world and all the n- new characters and stuff I'd be learning, like I'm not sure I can 100% commit to it in any meaningful way, which has to do with getting older and having less time for gaming and stuff. But if it was, if it's worth it, which it sounds like Xenoblade definitely is. I definitely want to play and would definitely be willing to commit the time to it. Yeah, it's definitely worth a try. And then there's also always the question of uh, finishing a game versus completing it. I'm not a completionist in most games. There's some exceptions. 
I think I've only completed one game in my entire life to like the 100% degree. Oh, what was that? And it is Lego Marvel superheroes. <laughs> ah. Um, which for those unaware, uh, I think it took me like 80 hours plus like 80 hours. I'm not going to remember off the top of my head, but um, there's 150 unlockable characters, and I got all of them. But like, Did I'm you super... get all the like mini kits and stuff, and all the all that too. Yep. Okay. So I, I believe that was the only game that I've 100%ed. But I'm super dialed in on the Marvel heroes and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was obviously engaged in wanting to get all the characters. So. I think that's the only game, which I've obviously com- isn't an RPG, but still. Yeah, I've completed a fair few bit more, but uh, the fr- actually the earliest one that comes to mind for me is Lego Star Wars, the original uh, GameCube game. Oh, that that's a fun game. It is, it is, but it's interesting. that I think Lego does a really good job of incentivizing you to complete a game by uh, making it really simple to track your progress and all these things. It really irks me in games when uh, I'm trying to complete one that, like, let's say I really like, and then it's like, well, I, we're not going to show you all of the things that you have or haven't done yet. So I'm like, man, then I've got to go redo everything. Yeah, to see if you miss that one conversation that like releases a fetch quest that is about you delivering a dinner to somebody. It could be really difficult to 100% all like a bunch of games. Yeah, it definitely can be difficult. And I, I'm okay with completion things being difficult because you don't have to do it. You know, whenever you're ready to be done, you can go be done for for the most part. I mean, there's definitely some that like, I don't know what the difference between a completion versus finish is in something like Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Uh, from what I was looking up, it looked like to complete the main story of Xenoblade 2, it was like 64 hours, but to 100% it was like 254. Mm, that must be with side quests and things. That's probably the deal. Yeah, so it really gets longer if you do all the extra stuff. But like mm. the base story isn't that... Like that's not too ju- like daunting of a thing to sign up for. Like 64 hours is totally doable. Yeah, and I, I think that's respectable in terms of completing a game, too. I, I don't always think games have to be that long. Um, so, uh, how long have we been recording? In about 27 minutes. This might be a shorter one. Do you want to take our break here? And when we come back, we'll talk about uh, a little bit more about this. And I'll also talk about some that I wish were longer. Yep, let's do it. All, All right. right. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, you, you go ahead. I don't have anything. All right. So you heard the big market tease of games we want to be longer right after the break. So uh, check out some ad- advertisements for 6.5 Media and check out those shows, too. And we'll talk to you in a few minutes. Bye. Bye. 
Hi there, I'm David. And I'm Kate. And we're the hosts of another Zelda podcast. There are so many good podcasts out there, and some of them in particular concern the Legend of Zelda. <laughs> That's right, Kate, and we are another one of them. We That is actually the name of our show, Another yes. Zelda Podcast. And in our show in particular, we talk about some of our favorite dungeons, characters, boss battles. We have top ten lists. Yeah, we do deep dives on game design and production aspects of the different Zelda games. And we talk about our own experiences. We do some review episodes, talk about our challenges, our struggles, and our victories. That's right. You know, really just almost anything that has to do with Zelda, we like to talk about it. A new episode comes out every other Friday, and you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and YouTube. And you can also check out our episodes on our website, anotherzeldapodcast.com. That's right. All right, we will see you there. Okay, bye! Hey, this is TC. And this is Jim from the Studio Demands It podcast. Where every episode we take a demand from a hypothetical studio. Which could be you. And challenge ourselves to conceptualize, pitch, and craft a film based on the stipulations. Or the demands. We are given. We talk about movies all the time. Particularly, we complain about the choices made in the films we've seen. We're nerds like that. And, of course, like any good nerd does, we automatically assume that we could do better. Even with the demands and restrictions that clearly must have been put on by a production. So head on over to studiodemandsit.com and listen to our previous library of episodes. Our library of previous episodes. Our precious library, Jim. <laughs> our library of precious episodes. <laughs> You're a pirate Smeagol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So head on over to studiodemandsit.com to listen to our library of episodes. And submit your demand for a future episode, too. So go do that. Okay, bye. Okay, end of ad. Welcome back from the break. I hope you enjoyed those ads. And if you skipped them, uh, we worked hard on recording ours. So I assume other people worked hard on recording theirs. Maybe you should go listen to them. Maybe they're fun. <laughs> I think some of the ad- the other ads are actually pretty funny, personally. But <laughs> uh, but either way, we're very glad you're back and that our podcast is not too long for you. I know. We'll, we'll try to make this one a little shorter than our normal episodes to to make a point or not make a point. I'm not sure how that would work, but (laughs) yes. So the tease going in was, uh, we're going to talk some games that we really wish were longer as well. Cause I don't feel like that gets brought up too much. So do you have one off the top of your head? Cause I I know I do. So I do, but I think it's going to be like almost sort of hot takey based on where we were saying that episode might be going. I think I wish the Pokemon games were longer in um in story depth i agree not so much in like total length like you could play a pokemon game for 25 years but and just walk around and keep catching things and different things so i wish the stories were longer not more the main event like the main event is obviously catching pokemon and nicknaming them and trading with your friends and things like that but I think the stories are generally kind of fun. They just end very quickly. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. If you don't try to do side content and you just beeline it for the end game, uh, you could probably, like, as a competent adult, complete a Pokemon in one day, if not two. I would think so, yeah. Like, a 20-hour time commitment, maybe. 
Yeah, and even then you're saying maybe, like, if the dice rolls are against you. Yeah. So I think it'd be cool to have a longer... From the ones I've played, which I haven't played all of them. I've played probably about four or five of them. I generally, like, enjoy the stories, and then I get to the point where I'm like, oh, yeah, this is great, and then it's over. <laughs> yeah, so, like, I, I can definitely understand that. And especially in terms of single-player content, there's certain things that I've just never really cared to do. And you and I are not always similar, but I think that you probably agree that, like, you've never cared to breed the perfect Pokemon. You've never gone shiny hunting for weeks and weeks of your time. Um, when you end the game and it's like, oh, now you get to go to the, the battle frontier and play competitive against computers. I'm like, eh. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, y yeah, I would agree with you there. <laughs> it's just hard to feel motivated to do any of those things for me. And I think that I would be more into the breeding aspect of it if it was incorporated more into a story, even if it was like, sort of a by-the-numbers sort of story idea. Like, give me, a, beyond the inner harmony and happiness it creates in my, like, soul, like, give me, a, like, more of a reason to be breeding. Like, that's something we talked about in our, like, futures episode. Incentivize the breeding, like, have it kind of go somewhere. Like, you can breed them and then have other Pokemon and kind of level them up. But, like, after the story's over, that's not really incentivized anymore. Like, it's not getting you anywhere. So if they were to, like, make that go somewhere, that would be really cool. Yeah, we talked about, like, having uh, sort of side quests for all these different jobs and letting you pick a job. That would make the length longer because it'd make other aspects matter more. And if you like breeding and stuff, we're not saying that's horrible or anything like that. It's just in our heads, like we want it to be more important. So there's a reason to do it. Yeah, more more plot things. And it is really important if you're playing like against your friends or even in a circuit that's like actual competitive scene stuff. Um, but Daniel and I both don't do that. <laughs> no, not yet. Do you have plans to, to be a competitive esports player for Pokemon? I, <laughs> I I do not, but I've in life been trying to not say no to things. So I mean, I, I think not? that's a good that's a good way to be. Um, <laughs> I was like an Uber nerd in college and joined the Pokemon Club and played against the other Uber nerds that actually did do all the breeding and all the stuff and raise the perfect Pokemon and very quickly I realized if I wanted to actually be like anywhere near good at this, I was going to have to be on a whole different level of committed than I was. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't you like the captain or something of the team? No, that was uh, what you're talking about. It's a short aside, but um, I played on uh, before Blizzard was terrible. I played on an actual like legitimate college esports team for Heroes of the Storm. That must have been what it was. <laughs> yeah. Man, and that too, like, I won't stay on this tangent for long, but oh my gosh, the way that that was organized was atrocious. Like, I, I the most I had jobs in college was, at one point I was working three jobs in college. Um, and the esports thing was fun, 
but I expected when I signed up for it that like I would have time to play in these matches, but like they were the most inopportune times. It was like, yeah, it like noon on a Tuesday or something, you need to be ready to play like five matches or six matches in a row. And I'm like, that's like five to six hours. Like I, I work like, did none of y'all work? Like, how are y'all even able to do this? So that was, that was definitely a crazy experience. Oh yeah. I can't even imagine. <laughs> I, I expected like some evening games and stuff and like things like that or weekends to at least pretend that I'm not working on the weekend, but no, it was like in the middle of a weekday. I'm like, how it like, I'm lucky I, I'm not in class right now. Like, I don't know how y'all are doing this. <laughs> so no current plans to become an esport champion, but I'm not certainly not going to say no if it happens to fall into my lap. Yeah, I just realized that the dedication for Pokemon was so high. And, like, to these people, it wasn't work. Like, they legitimately enjoyed doing that all the time. And I, I still, more power to them. Like, they were happy, and they were made happy by Pokemon stuff. And I'm like, if if you that's you, that's fantastic. Like, I wish I could get that into Pokemon. Because there's so much to do if you're that into it, but I just, I just couldn't do it. I do still enjoy watching some of the championships though. That's something I haven't done. I've never watched esports, but we can get back to the, <laughs> the main topic. Yeah. So, uh, Pokemon was your game. You wanted to be a lot longer. Mine was, and I know it's again, not a t t traditional RPG. Um, but one I felt really strongly about was dynasty warriors nine. Um, and I know people felt strongly about that game for a lot of reasons, and the biggest being that it was the first Dynasty Warriors game to be open world, um, which absolutely was not necessary. And I do think it was worse for the game overall, and that's definitely not a hot take. That is very much the consensus. Um, but that was one I found myself putting a bunch of house rules on myself to try and make it more interesting. Um, because mm -hmm. that game, like, you could finish it in one sitting, depending on which character you pick, because there's different storylines. Um, but once you start unlocking all the fast travel locations, like, so much of the game is go here, kill this guy, go back to this other place. And I found it really immersive to not use fast travel, because the entire map is essentially just the full map of ancient China. Because it is a historical series, so you're in like real world China, and it was really interesting to me to like ride through these scenic locations and stuff on a horse, and like actually ride everywhere and not fast travel literally at all. Um, that if I need to go, go forth and kill this guy that's leading his army uh, in this far off location, I was like, all right, then I'll take my couple companions and we'll actually ride that whole way, and that felt a lot more. Uh, interesting than just fast traveling killing the guy then fast traveling back because you absolutely could do that um it was the same with um there's some missions that you have to siege a castle and it's again that like the castle's considered sieged when you kill the guy in charge of the castle and they for some reason gave you all these tools to breach the castle like siege weapons and things um, but they also gave your character a grappling hook that you can use to just fly over the walls. 
So you can just fly over the walls and kill the guy immediately and be done with it. So that would make it a lot quicker. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it would it would turn like a 10 minute siege into like a probably 30 second experience. And I was just like, could I do that? Yes. Would That's I enjoy good. the game that much if I did that? No. So it's very heavily like I'm just trying to slip into a role and very much it's like, again, I know it's not typical a typical RPG, but I'm having to role play that this is fun. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm having to make my own fun a lot. So I'm like, I definitely wish that game was a lot longer in ways that mattered. Because I love that series a lot. But I think that adding a lot more things to do on the road and things, uh, a lot more to do in the open world, and then removing fast travel would definitely make that game a lot better. So you'd want more things to do from point A to point B to kind of add to the the gameplay time. Yes, because even then, like, there's nothing really that happens between point A and point B. It's very much like, when I say this didn't need to be an open world, it's because there's nothing in the world. That I can understand, where you have sort of it being sort of trendy to have the open world now. Oh, yeah. It helps when your open world has things in it. <laughs> When it's an open world and not an open space. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, very. Towns to run into. There's, there's travelers that need help. There's different things to add to the time without just being like, oh, another patch of trees to run by. <laughs> yeah, I think Skyrim is maybe one of the best examples of things happening. That whenever I play Skyrim, it doesn't really matter what my goal is, I always find myself getting very sidetracked and very distracted by something on the road. And I think that's why it continues to be one of the most popular games. Yeah, we definitely need Elder Scrolls 6, though, at this point. But why make that when you could just re-release Skyrim? <laughs> uh, I mean, that's the million-dollar question. <laughs> I think it's far more than a million dollars, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Um... So that was some that we wanted to be longer. Jumping back, some of the ways I would shorten some of these, uh, like Final Fantasy, I would really just rebalance a lot of the grinding aspect. And I know people will say, well, that's a main part of Final Fantasy and stuff. Like, You can't do away with that because that's core to what the series is. And my response to that would be, is it still? Mm-hmm. Because Final Fantasy thirteen, as far as I understand, was not really that. Um, Final Fantasy fourteen is an MMO, so it's definitely not that. Um, fifteen, there's some people that would not call fifteen an RPG even anymore. So I'm just like, I don't know how integral it is when we're not doing it very much anymore. And then we have things like Final Fantasy seven remake that um, I haven't actually gotten to play yet. Because I'm actually going to play the first one first, fully. Uh, I definitely feel like I should finish Final Fantasy VII before I do any kind of remake that changes it. Um, but that's another one that I feel like, just looking at it, it seems like the core experience has been sped up a lot. And I think that um, another Square Enix thing that we'll be talking about more in the future, spoilers, I guess, uh, Bravely Default 2 that I've been playing 
it feels that that really pushes the the tempo of the encounters so with the way they've created the gameplay you speak can speed through encounters pretty quick so like things like that so you're not using your time on the small encounters as much as you are the story i think really adds a lot so like even just speeding up the interactions helps a lot in my head might not be for everybody but um starting in seems like number three through there's an auto battle thing and it says that that is true for bravely default as well this is this might be a hot take if you need an auto battle button i think that you might need to just shorten the grind a little bit because there should be no reason for me to like not for me to leave your game running when I'm not playing it. If if your game literally has a built-in function to play itself, I think that it might be too much work. And I think sometimes, like I was saying earlier, like I'm in the mood to grind out, like just kind of zone out and do like small encounters for like a while and just build yep. up my character stats. But sometimes I'm not, and I just kind of want to flow through the story. So it'd be cool, almost cool, if there was like a setting where. Like, if I'm in the mood to grind, I can kind of set that up. But if not, like, I don't want to feel like I have to grind to beat the game. Which could be, like, a wishful thinking sort of thing where it's like, I I just want the game and I don't want to have to, like, work to beat the game. But, like, if I'm playing a game, it's to have fun and I don't want to have to work. I think there just needs to be a balance. Because I know that that's a really hotly debated thing right now that's like, and, and I feel like this kind of, can get misconstrued into the conversation of like, well, every game should have an easy mode. I'm like, I, I definitely am against that idea because I'm like, there's some things that are just core to the, to the experience of a game that if you make it just an easy mode or you put a skip button, then you'd lose a lot of what the game is. And it can destroy entire experiences if they're not going the way that they're really supposed to. Um, but I don't think that RPGs have to be quite so grindy. It's not so much of a, like for some of the, those, it really is like get good, but for RPGs and turn-based things, I don't feel like it's so much of a get good argument when it's like, well, if I do this for, you know, 15 hours between town A and town B, then my little number will go up to the point that I'm now good. You know what I mean? It's it's not so much a skill thing. It's just much more a time investment. And there's no there's not a lot of skill involved. It's just uh, you were talking about before. Like there's a guy I guess that's doing a podcast that is playing through all the Final Fantasy games using only the attack option. And so it's like that's really fascinating to me, and it's really cool to see. Uh, I love watching these YouTube ch- like. Or I, I guess I should say, I like watching these challenges on YouTube in a condensed format. And I think it's really cool that people challenge themselves in that way. But, like, that's one that I'm like, I think anybody could do that with enough time and patience. Uh, just to shout out that guy, in case he's listening. And oh, if, good. And in case you want to check out his thing, he's uh, you can find him on Twitter at SelectAttack. Oh, he's uh, he's named the Twitter account after the... <laughs> Yep. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean that fair. 
And like I said, I'm really interested in watching it because it's an interesting idea. Mm -hmm. I've been meaning to check out a show, too. But I just wouldn't want to do it personally. (laughs) Because that's uh, I was doing that in Bravely Default a little bit. And I'll save my thoughts for that for another episode. But sometimes you just get going and you're like, attack, attack, attack. And it's it becomes like it's almost faster. So I'm interested to watch his series just to see if it's faster than it would be if you were playing normal. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'll, I'll share one other thought on that that I think the reason that I find that interesting at all too is that um, whenever I play a game like Final Fantasy, like let's say Final Fantasy VII, if I'm playing as Cloud and I use like a massive attack that has super flashy animations to kill off some sort of grunt. Um, to myself, it almost feels like non-canon in my head that I'm like, did Cloud really limit break and like use all of his power to kill that guy over there with a pistol? No, like it's almost like in plot that didn't happen because that would be weird. But like if he used the attack command, like could Cloud just swing his sword at that guy that stood in their way? Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know if you ever end up feeling that way. I, I can definitely see that because sometimes you have like your super like in Pokemon, you have like your hyper beam and you're using your hyper beam on like a Caterpie and you're like, is this re- like, is this necessary? Like, is this happening? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, is that really part of the story? Is me using hyper beam on that Caterpie really part of the story? Like, no, not really. Not in my head. Yeah. And I think that that can be fun, just like kind of blasting noobs. <laughs> but that's like fun in like a in a non-story way. Yeah, trainer Joey never knew what hit him. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about at least one more before we end off, I think. We said we were going to talk about MMOs, so let's do that. Sure. Um, so... MMOs. Uh, we talked about during the break. I have a lot more experience with MMOs. Um, I've played World of Warcraft a little bit. I played Star Wars: The Old Republic a lot. I played some RuneScape. I played some uh, Maple Story, some Latail, some Tales of Pirates. Um, I, I definitely have some experience in some weirder MMOs. Um, and there's definitely some other ones in there too that I can't fully remember the name of off the top of my head. Um, but there's different ways, again, to judge how long these are. And part of it is, do they have an ending to begin with? Um, and some of them, it just feels like no. Like, Daniel, you said you've played RuneScape some, and so have I. When I when you start playing RuneScape, at least when you did when I played, which, to be fair, was a long time ago, it never felt like there was an end. It like from the very beginning, it was like you're loading into this world to have fun for a while, but you're never going to hit an end. Yes, I would agree with that. You're not really thinking of the end game of RuneScape. Right. Um, Which then is like, to me, that one's totally subjective. Just are you having fun? Um, Because I don't even know how much the story matters to people in that. It didn't matter to me a whole lot. Um, But I also have a friend that it mattered a lot more to, and he has a lot of fond memories of the RuneScape story. I don't know if you read that or paid that much attention when you were doing it. 
my memory of it was that there wasn't a story. So <laughs> I can't say that the story particularly moved me in any direction. I don't know if there's a there was a greater plot line back then, like overarching plot line, but at least every side quest had its own little story. I seem to remember there being a Romeo and Juliet one that stuck out. But again, not really sure. Mm. <laughs> it was it's been like 15 years, so but then there's there's games like uh, Star Wars The Old Republic, which is the one I definitely have the most experience with. And that felt like from the very beginning, you are really important. And maybe there's not an end goal, but you're you're important enough that there is going to be at least like an end game, late level. Um, there is a plot you're going to complete because even like when you get off the when you're on the first planet, all the loading screens say prologue. And then when you get off the first planet, it's like chapter one and then there's chapter two and blah, blah, blah. And so eventually you can finish it. And I actually did finish that game. And I found that really interesting that there was an end point that it was like your story is over. Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked the way that they lengthened that a lot with the side quests, because the side quests were not so much go over there, kill 10 bears and bring me their butts. It was... Uh, a lot more involved, and I Thank think goodness. that was... Huh? <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. Well, playing World of Warcraft, I very much felt like there's ten bears, go get their butts for me. And the whole time I was like, but like, I've played Heroes of the Storm, and I've met people like Sylvanas and Illidan and Uther, like, when do I get to go meet those people? And it was like, well, no, those are the important people that are over there doing important things. You're not important. You're over here doing my things. And I was like, oh, well, that's not exciting. <laughs> and maybe yeah. maybe you get to do more important things late game. But it was going to be a very, very, very long time before I got to do anything that I deemed important. But Star Wars, they did a really good job of... um making even the small side quests feel important. And I think part of that also was your, your amount of choice. Um, and then that things were attained. So like there's a really early on quest. I remembered, uh, for the bounty hunter quest line, that's a side quest, I think. And one of the huts gives you a bounty to go to this little tribe of people. And you have to bring back some of their, you, you have to kill some of them and bring their like heads back as proof. And, you know, you're like, all right, sure. So you go to this tribe and they actually stop you before you start shooting and say, whoa, 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 how about we work out a deal in that you don't kill us. And instead, we've been fighting battles regularly. We have like the bodies for you. We could just cut heads off of bodies and then you could take those heads back and then you would get paid. So you should be happy. The hut would get his heads. So he should be happy and we all get to live. So we should be happy. And I was like, the ability to make that decision already adds a lot of character to this. And really in terms of the R in the RPG, the, or the RP, the role playing, um, it let me feel a lot like the kind of bounty hunter I wanted to be. And sometimes that was the kind of bounty hunter that collected heads regardless and was like, well, I'm going to do what I said I did, you know, what I set out to do. And it would be dishonest if I got paid to do a job and then I did less than that job. 
sometimes it was that. Sometimes it was being the nice guy that's like, yeah, of course. Like, do you need help in your battle? And then other times it was, you tried to bribe me. I'm going to kill even more of you. <laughs> I just appreciated the choice. And it very much felt like there was weight to things. Um, and that because your your alignment changes permanently off of that for either light or dark side, and then if you go back and talk to those characters, they don't have like generic speech for you. If you chose to like actually kill some of them and take their heads, the if you go back after that quest is over and see those people, they'll be like, we don't like you. Like, why are you here? You don't, you know, we gave you an option. And like, they remember that. Um, so it feels like you really impacted these people's lives and they never got out, like they never forgot you. Um, and it's the same if you helped them out, like you can go back and they'll be like, oh, what a swell guy. Like you've come back. You're always welcome here, blah, blah, blah. And it just feels like for the role play stuff that you, again, you really affected these people's lives. You know, they have somebody that they wouldn't have had otherwise if a different bounty hunter was sent and you get to feel kind of pride in that. So that was a really good way, I think, to do padding. And if you're going to, it's really simple because like they were sometimes like fetch quests and just kill 10 bear butts. But when you put it like with story and you make me feel important, it feels good. Just to kind of sum it up, um, in summation, games can be really, really long. And I definitely think it's okay, especially RPGs and stuff. Some of the most fondly remembered ones are really, really long. Um, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, even though I've kind of harped on how long that is to a ridiculous extent, it's seen as a really fantastic game. Same with Final Fantasy VII, same with all the Pokemons. It's it's interesting to me that sometimes I do feel like it's in spite of being super long, but people seem to really enjoy that regardless. If it's worth it, people are going to keep playing. Is kind of what it boils down to. Like if you give them a reason to keep playing, they're they're going to. If you create like a four hundred hour game where there's two hundred hours of fetch quests and less appealing things they're gonna play the main story and be done with it but if you give them like a really deep like story with lots of lore and really unique powerful characters they're gonna stay for it yeah and i I think it's important too to encourage people and we're probably preaching to the choir on this one with an rpg podcast but you don't have to be scared in starting something new um, it also is totally okay to start a new game or a new franchise or whatever, and then realize that this is just not for you and you don't have to continue. And I get that you're out some of the money, but it's really, really cool if, you know, what if you bought that game and you really did end up liking it? And then you have, you know, dozens or hundreds of hours more of entertainment that you wouldn't have had otherwise. And there's definitely nothing wrong with stopping. Like if something's not gripping you. There's no reason to, like, grind in until you, like, hate it if it's just not working. Yeah, there's sometimes that, like, by all metrics, I should really love a game. You know, I love the, maybe the franchise that it's part of. I love the gameplay in other games. Um, But sometimes it just doesn't really work for you and you don't know why and that's always fine it just happens 
So, in the end, are RPGs too long? Sometimes. But yeah. Definite maybe. <laughs> it's always worth it to start a journey and see where it takes you. Exactly. And then find people whose opinion you trust when when picking these things. Yes. And it can also be just find people that you know. I definitely have some critics I listen to and I trust, um, but I've started to learn their tastes. And so there's times that critics I like will play a game and go, man, I absolutely hated this. And I go, hmm, I should check that out. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes the, the negative feedback is more useful than the positive. Yeah, for sure. It's just that not everyone's tastes are the same and you can start to learn if you follow like specific critics, especially you can start to learn what people's tastes are and then where they don't align with you. You might go, oh, they hated it. I got to go pick that up because that's probably right up my alley. Yep, exactly. I always love the uh, the sort of things that it's like when you see somebody complain about a game or a, a story and they list off all these different things. And so it's like objectively correct, but that's the reason that a bunch of people like that thing. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, it was horrible. There was like so much character development. I just had to stop playing. Like I couldn't take it. That's like the bread and butter for a lot of people. So, yeah, one I, I recently saw like that was uh, Elden Ring, which people have now gotten to play a little bit of. And there were some people that were like, this is just Dark Souls, but it's open world. I hate it. And there were a bunch of other people I saw going, this is just Dark Souls, but open world. It's the best thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I guess you're both objectively right in terms of it is Dark Souls, but an open world. <laughs> but then that means varying things to varying people. Yep. I don't know. I like stuff like that. I think that's cool. Yeah, I think that's fun, too. So I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, off the more off-the-cuff episode, more unscripted and stuff. Um, just kind of Daniel and I talking to each other. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, definitely reach out and give us some conversation topics that you'd really like to hear us talk about. Because I've definitely enjoyed recording things in this way, even though it's not quite our norm uh, in terms of what we do. Definitely. I know that... Um... The comments are likely going to pour in of like people supporting me on my esports journey, and I, I look forward to it. <laughs> uh, we'll make we'll make jerseys. We'll we'll all support you. It's fine. We'll get some like six five like, um, like branding for my like leather jacket for when I play. <laughs> what what esports game are you going to be pursuing? Uh, I guess I'd probably lean Pokemon since it's the only one I'm aware is an esport. That's how un unaware I am. Could I do, is League of Legends something that people still play? Daniel, I want you to just leave that long, silent stretch in. <laughs> and, and I want you to leave this in. Is League of Legends something that people still play? <laughs> I don't, I don't like I, I want you guys at home listening like this. This is what this is what the show is for me. I need you to understand that <laughs> when when Daniel says he is an old school RPG fan that likes Shining Force and Fire Emblem and games like this. I need you to understand what he means. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing, I guess, with you, but. 
It should be with you. I am laughing with you. Is it but, like I don't know? Is it so far gone that it's funny that I brought it up at all, or is it so like still very much a thing? And it's funny that I didn't know that. Like, why uh, is this funny? <laughs> I would say it is very possibly the largest game in the world. Okay, so it's definitely it's obviously still a thing. Yes, in terms of esports, it is number one. Gotcha. I think the the beauty of the show, or hopefully the beauty of the show, is that we talk about things that are somewhat nostalgic for you and are basically brand new experiences for me. Yes, and and vice versa sometimes. Yeah, I I occasionally know a game you don't know, <laughs> but hopefully it's not seen as me being super naive, but me being excited to learn. Hopefully that's how it comes across to you, everybody. So I think that's how it comes across to me. Like, I'm excited to learn these things. <laughs> Whether yeah. I should have learned them 14 years ago is a different story. <laughs> how, yeah, about but... we how about we wrap it there? <laughs> sure. Let me let me defend you for a second longer, though. Okay. It's, it's always fun. Like, people always say, like, I wish I could go back and experience X game for the first time. Daniel just gets to do that with a lot of games. Yeah, the sh this show is mostly me trying things and reporting back. <laughs> yeah, and it's really cool that like some of these games too that like you experience in your childhood. It's cool to like, I think listen to somebody that's an adult experience them for the first time that has no nostalgia. Yeah, it's basically those like memes or like short videos you see of like people listening to like famous music for the first time and crying. That's basically me, but with video games, like I'm sitting there playing Chrono Trigger and crying about how beautiful it is, is, is basically what this is. Sure. I, <laughs> I, the League of Legends one honestly surprises me more because to me that is like somebody being like, oh, I haven't heard uh, the song somebody that I used to know or something before, or I've never listened to a Madonna song ever before. And I'm like, or no, I, I've seen definitely, I've seen YouTube videos. That's like listening to, we will rock you or something for the first time by like, or like queen, like Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm like, do you not have the radio? Like, how is like, how did you miss it? How did you avoid this this entire time? It's not, how did you miss it? Cause I, I understand missing things that you're not looking for, even when they're super popular. I don't understand how something like a song that is that popular that's on the radio all the time. Like, do you go to stores would be my first question to those people. <laughs> like, have you ever set foot in a store? Have you ever been to a mall? Like, I would ask these questions. Like, I don't understand. I understand not seeking it out, but I don't understand how you didn't hear that in passing. Yeah. <laughs> League of Legends is a little bit that one for me. I'm very surprised. <laughs> Well, I but, knew it existed. That should that should count a little. <laughs> yes, yes, and you know it's a MOBA. Yeah, I knew at one point it was a thing. Yes, I just yeah, wasn't so, sure. Yeah, that's better. Yeah, like I did know it was a thing. I just didn't know if it had sort of moved on from what it was. No, they just did. Uh, they they've just expanded. So it's actually the opposite. They finally are putting out other games. They just put out their first Netflix series. Wow. That seems like a big deal. Yeah, it took long enough. Oh, well, I guess if you want 
a League of Legends episode, it's going to take me a while to catch up. So maybe like season 10, we'll have the League of Legends episode. <laughs> oh, I can I can look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can find us on Twitter at Turn by Turn. Uh, what, what is our app? It is at the Turn by Turn pod pod. Just pod. OK. At Turn by Turn Pod, you can find us on Spotify, YouTube, uh, and wherever else podcasts are sold. You can, uh, where else? Oh, they got Apple get Podcasts. It. Yes, the Apple Podcasts. That five star review would mean the world to us. Helps us exist. <laughs> yes, it is very, very helpful. So, thank you all for tuning in, and don't forget to let us know if you want to hear any more conversations like this. I would definitely be up for it. With all that being said, thank you all, and we will see you next time. Bye.